It's Pi Augustine, your Division One candidate for Ipswich. My plan is for a community that is vibrant and attracts world investment, a community that is connected with the state-of-the-art transport system, a community that cares for our people and environment at a time of need. Division One needs a councillor that has the energy and motivation to get things done. A community champion. Find out more about me on my Facebook page, Pi Augustine for Division One. This ad was approved by Pi Augustine candidate. Ipswich deserves strong and stable leadership you know you can trust. I'm Mayor Teresa Harding, and as your Mayor, Ipswich is once again a city that businesses are proud to invest in and families love to call home. To keep our city moving forward, I'm committed to reducing cost of living pressures, expanding our road and transport networks, delivering more for our suburbs, and boosting investment in grassroots sports in our community. So vote one Teresa Harding for Mayor for sustainable growth for Ipswich. Authorised by T Harding, 264 South Station Road, Raceview. Coming up, Ipswich City Council finally settles on a new CEO, what to do about the increasing amount of waste generated by a growing population, hear about a TLPI and why Ipswich needs it, more love on the way for Red Bank Plains Road, and could Ipswich get its first national park? It's Friday, November 19, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ipswich City Council finally has a new CEO. Mayor Teresa Harding joins me now to talk about this and other highlights from the November 18 meeting of Council. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Mayor Harding. Oh, thanks, Alan, and thank you, listeners. Seven months, 84 candidates, and this week you announced acting CEO Sonia Cooper as the best candidate to take the organisation forward. Why did the process take so long? We had a, a very rigorous process, Alan. Um, we felt that the background of the council was really important to cast our net wide. Uh, we also did extensive background checks, and we wanted to make sure that the entire council, all the councils were very comfortable with the process and were kept informed the entire way. So, look, it did take a bit longer than expected, um, but I think we have a, an, an outstanding result in the end. There was strong interest in the position, as I mentioned, 84 candidates and a number of people approached as a, a normal part of recruiting a CEO. In the end, what got Sonia Cooper across the line? Um, again, we had extensive background uh, checks, uh, so she's a, a person of great integrity. Um, she also has a track record uh, within governments as well, so across state and local government. Uh, she's been well admired across council for her dedication and also her demeanour. So we felt that it was she was the best person to continue the, the culture change that we're doing within council, but also someone who will be frank and fearless and um, do their role properly as a CEO. Red Bank Plains Road will receive some more love after the meeting of council between Kedges Road and Kruger Parade. Residents have been waiting a long time for this upgrade. When will it happen? <laughs> yeah, very excited about this. Um, you know, Red Bank Plains is the um, you know the far largest suburb that we have in in Ipswich, so we're great. To, it's great to see Stage Three uh, being carried out. Um, it was a decision of council to award all roads with a, uh, a contract with over $19.5 million for that project. So the works will upgrade Rebecca Plains Road between Kedges Road and Kruger Parade. So it's about one and a half kilometres uh, to four lanes to make sure it meets the population growth of the area. 
Council voted to introduce a new, and this is not a very sexy term, temporary local planning instrument, better known as a TLPI. It's about to replace two others which will expire. Now, the purpose was to put the brakes on more waste facilities in Ipswich. Why is it necessary for another one? And what will replace it when it expires in two years' time? Look, a, a TLPI is, um, I guess it's an interim measure while we up, update our planning scheme. So we're now going to be updating and putting in a, a new planning scheme, which will be implemented by the end of 2023. But we do need this mechanism um, to be extended to make sure that we can have some level of control over the waste operations, in particular the creation of new landfill and Ipswich. Um, it's not sustainable. Um, so we've been working with the state government and this TLPI, and we're delighted that um, we'll be putting this forward. Talking of landfills, the wandless application at Ebenezer is going to the Planning and Environment Court. These things take their time, so it's probably too early to uh, to have any update. Look, we anticipate it will take 12 to 18 months for the issue to be resolved. Can I just say on how absolutely disappointed I am that this is going to the Planning Environment Court? Um, we used a very open process. Um, the council have a you know, the independent decision review panel went through the process. It was a very thorough process based on law and based on um, the community as well. Um, the approval said yes to the recycling. And so we would strong, we strongly support Wallace's proposal for the recycling. What we said no to was the creation of a brand new landfill uh, within basically one or two kilometres of people's residences. And we think that's a, a very fair, it was a, it's a legal decision as well. So we're very disappointed that, that Wanless are taking us to court. It means we're going to have to spend ratepayers' money to defend a decision. Um, and to have, if this is forced upon us, it, it's a, it will be a travesty for the people of Ipswich. And you're saying it's going to be a long process? Yeah, it would take 12 to 18 months mm. to go through the process. It'll probably cost at least a million dollars. There's a yeah. lot happening on the waste front uh, elsewhere. Can you walk us through where Ipswich is at with its uh, alliance with Logan and Redland Council for a, uh, a major waste facility? Yeah, one of the things that administrators set up um, with Logan City Council and Redlands was a sub-regional waste alliance for us to look at um, what waste do we have now going into the future. At the moment, um, you know, a lot of the recyclables are going to a, a monopoly, uh, uh, just one company, um, which is increasing their, their rates extraordinarily fast. Uh, we can't see any reason for it. So we're working together to see if we can come up with a solution for a mature recovery facility that, that, that we can own and that we can operate to reduce cost but also get a better environmental outcome for the people of, of our, our councils as well. Council also approved a new contract covering recycling and non-food waste. Is there any word of a curbside collection in amongst all this? <laughs> uh, well, in our, in our resource recovery strategy, we certainly had have um, put in there that we're going to be looking at um, in-demand curbside collection. So we haven't uh, turned our mind to that, but it is one of the things that we are looking at doing. Um, we want to be as efficient as possible. We know that people do like curbside collection, um, so we are looking at what that model will be in the future. And there's a change coming to how council disposes of the contents of the yellow top bins, uh, bypassing the Riverview transfer station altogether and taking it direct to the contractor, which I think is Ramondas mm-hmm. at Swanbank. Are you surprised this hasn't happened before now? It is, look, but it's always easy to be wise in retrospect, isn't it, Alan? So, mm. so uh, I think our, our waste team have been empowered to be open-minded. We've got some new people in there as well. So we're trying to be more efficient, more innovative and finding better ways. Um, um, you know, it's, we spend a lot of ratepayers' money on dealing with waste. It's one of the things that councils do. So we're trying to get best bang for buck for the ratepayers. 
The annual report card from the Queensland Audit Office was tabled mm. at the meeting, and these reports don't come cheap at about $300,000. How is it possible that the basics of publishing contracts valued at 200000 or more weren't published on time on Council's website? Yes, that, that was one of the um, deficiencies that was pointed, about, that pointed out by the QAO and was rectified uh, straight away. Um, look, I just, I'll just say that this new council brought in the Transparency Integrity Hub and all contracts that are worth $10,000 and over are being published and I think it's a, uh, a great thing for our organisation. So it's great to see that's rectified. And I've got to say overall, Alan, it's probably um, one of the best report cards the City Council has received from the QAO. Mayor Teresa Harding, the issue of councillors consuming alcohol while at official functions has come up at the council meeting. What's been resolved? Yes, councillors have adopted a policy in regarding to drug and alcohol testing for councillors. So whilst it's permitted for councillors to say it's at a, a function at night time or if you're at the football match on the weekend um, to, to be uh, under 0.05, there's certainly provisions in there for, for testing people, councillors for drug and alcohol. So are we going to see a regime of random tests for councillors? Um, no. Um, the legal advice that we've received is that because of the Human Rights Act, um, that council can't do random drug and alcohol testing. And that was, I guess, part of the discussion at council yesterday for both uh, Councillor Tony and myself were quite keen to see a random drug and alcohol testing brought in. So, look, we've approved the policy as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new policy. Um, but we've also said that we will want to review it within 12 months. So we'll see how it goes and see how we can improve it over time. I can hear the words of my mother, uh, Mayor Harding. Everything in moderation. <laughs> Everything in moderation. I, I think so too. Look, it was a spirited... Uh, so we had workshops. It was a spirited discussion about am I allowed to have a beer when I go to see a Jets match on the game? Um, but also with councillors nowadays... Basically, working seven days a week. Um, when are they on duty? When are they off duty? So, I think it's a good discussion to have. But all, I just like to remind people too that um, the under the local government act, um, there's a code of conduct for all councillors, and it already is in there that we can't do our job um, while inebriated as well. So that's already there anyway. But uh, this policy actually puts in place uh, a method for, for testing councillors now. And lastly, Mayor Harding, uh, we're seeing the notice of motion option being used frequently by this current council, and this time round, it was to ask the state to take over the White Rock Spring Mountain Conservation Estate and declare it a national park. At the end of the council meeting, the vote was split. What does it mean, and where to from here? Yes, certainly. I think it's. I, I really love the notice of motion that we have in our procedures, and I love the fact that it's it's live stream, it's debated, and, and every councillor has the freedom to put their view forward. Um, really important that um, all the councillors are empowered to fight for their residents. So, Councillor Tully moved a, a motion seeking to dedicate the White Rock Spring Mountain Conservation Estate to become a national park, and that passed. And you got, you're right, it was a six-three vote. Um, so, Council will be writing a letter to the Minister for the Environment and Great Barrier Reef and Minister for Science and Youth Affairs, Megan Scanlon, seeking the dedication of that area to become a national park. On the surface, it seems like a, a commendable idea, but mm. Council is yet to weigh up the pros and cons. Correct. Oh, yes. Um, obviously, I was one of the ones that voted against it purely because I wanted to see what the pros and cons were. I'm also very committed to ensuring that we involve the community on things. I know that council is empowered and, and authorised to, to do these things without going out to community. So I just think it's very important for us to utilise things like our environment community panel, um, get the, the feel from residents as well. But I think what I, I gathered from yesterday is that we'll be able to still do that in conjunction with writing a letter to the state government. Mayor Teresa Harding, thank you for talking with Ipswich today. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Alan. 
And that's it for this episode of Ipswich Today. Just a reminder, you'll find handy links in the show notes, including Council's YouTube channel, where you can watch live streams or replays of all committee and council meetings. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au.